Hello, New Life family. Thanks for joining us this weekend for online services. Uh, share this link to invite your friends and your family to join in with us. Uh, you can also go to our website uh, or look at the notes below, and there's a link that you can click on to download the song sheets for our worship set. Uh, we'd love to have you sing along with us out loud in your living room with everyone. Don't worry. It'll be good. And uh, let's go ahead and worship God together right now in your living room. One, two, three, four.
trust Him
are the way, the truth, and the life. just thank you so much, Lord, today for how good you are, the fact that you are the way, the way to know true love, the way to forgiveness, the way to salvation, the way to hope. We just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that um, we can sit here wherever we are uh, and know that you're with us, Lord. And Lord, despite difficult things, you are still the king and you're still loving and you're still in control. And uh, when things are great, you're also king. And, um, and you love us through all of that, Lord. And you tell us that in this life there will be troubles, but that we should take heart, that we should be courageous because you're there with us always. And we just thank you for that. It's such a good, good thing. You're, and you're a good, good God. We love you. And, and thank you for that. And praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. Uh, now here's Pastor Dave with a message. It is so good to come together and have a time of worship and a time of connection. And, you know, we say this every week, and this is different for us to move from live to online. But being able to sit in our homes and worship is it's pretty special. A lot like that Acts 2 church, and they met home to home, and they had teaching and worship and breaking up bread together. And we get to do that. And, and I really hope today that you... Like, you didn't worry about anything. You just sang along with the songs. Like, you don't have to be good enough or, or worry about what anyone else will think. You could just sing, and I hope you really had a chance to, to enter in, because this really is us being the church together. Well, I want you to go ahead and make sure that you download uh, the notes uh, for this message. You can find it on our website. You can also find it right below this video. You'll see some links there. You'll also see from our website, there are resources for kids and students. We even started this last week a daily reading uh, that you can join into uh, through YouVersion, which is an online Bible. And it's a reading, a 10-day kind of reading on hope. And we'd love to have you join in with that. Uh, again, that's online. That's also in the links right below this video. And one other quick thing, since this is on YouTube, uh, you can subscribe to our New Life channel and then you'll get updates when new videos are being uploaded. Uh, also, you know, if you're live in one of our services, every weekend we do this white card and a chance for you to connect with us and share prayer requests. Well, we're not live, we're, we're at home. So what do we do with that? So if you get our app, uh, you can go to the, the connect part on there and you will see there is a place to, to do a prayer request and maybe even just to say, what can we pray uh, with you about and what can we praise God with you about? And there's one other quick thing that we just added. Uh, you know, if we, you need updates, you can text the word update to 30500. Now you can also update or send the word prayer to 30500 and you can give us a prayer request again, an online praise, whatever it might be. Uh, also, usually at this time in our live services, when we take our offering, and of course we can't do that now, but we do have the options of going online and doing that. You'll find the links below and on our webpage, all those same things. But I just want to thank you for your ongoing uh, support and faithfulness uh, because 
your, your giving is making a difference. Uh, we're able to keep our food bank going on a daily basis. We're actually serving more people who are facing challenges through this uh, COVID-19 crisis uh, who need food and groceries. We're able to do that more than we ever have before. And your faithful support makes that possible. So I just want to thank you for that. A little update for next week. Uh, we're going to be online again next week, but it is going to be uh, our the first weekend of the month. We always do communion. And so we're going to do communion together. Uh, you're going to do it in your home. I'm going to do it here. And so what I want you to do is this week, make a note for your groceries uh, to have some bread available. And if you want to get some juice and you want to uh, it'll be better than the little styrofoam circles that we do. No peeling back of plastic. Uh, but if you'll get that juice and you'll get the bread next week, we're going to share communion together. And I think it's going to be uh, a pretty special time. So before we jump into the message, I have one more thing that I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and get your phone out. And if you need to pause this right now, go ahead. But I want you to get your phone out. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, when we gather together, we have times where we can connect and say hi uh, to one another. And obviously, right now, we can't do that. But what I'd like you to do is get your phone out. And right now, I mean, right as you're watching this, doesn't matter what day or time as you're watching this, I want you to text someone that you know, uh, a friend, someone from our church family, maybe that person that you think of on the weekends go, oh, man, I, I miss seeing them. I want you, if you have their number, just to go ahead and text them just something encouraging. Uh, you know, we often talk about us reaching beyond the four walls of the church. Well, now you get to reach beyond the four walls of your home and be the church. So send that message to someone just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Um, God's peace be with you. Whatever it might be, uh, I want you to just take that chance right now as we start and text someone. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out and I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 7. And we're going to dive into this weekend. We've been in this series called Miraculous. And uh, we are breaking down some, not all, but some of the miracles of Jesus and looking to see how those impact us today and what we can not just learn from them, but how we can lean into them and see some of those same miraculous things be true in us today. Now, we started this by asking the question, of course, what exactly is a miracle? What, what does that look like? If something is miraculous, how do we begin to define that? Now, the dictionary puts it this way. A miracle is an extraordinary event of divine intervention in human affairs, an intersection of God's power and God's goodness into my life and into yours. Now, a miracle can be, uh, you know, restoring sight to a blind person, but it can also be restoring a relationship that's been broken. It, it can be a, a serious health issue that, that is healed, but it can also be healing from, from an addiction, those hurts and habits and hangups. It's not always a miracle of the moment, that instantaneous work of God, but, but more often I see it as a miracle of movement. That this is how I used to be. And God has done a miracle, and, and look at what God has done in me today. And again, that could be just a day, it could be a week, it could be a span of a lifetime, but you begin to see God's intersection into your life, into my life, and that is miraculous. So today we're going to be uh, in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to take a look at a miracle that Jesus performed, where he brought a young man who had died back to life. Now when you think about that, it's like, that, that is huge, 
I mean, someone who is dead is now alive again. I mean, can you even imagine what that would have been like? But it wasn't the only miracle that took place in this encounter that we're going to read. There was a miracle in the hearts of people too. And sometimes, I believe, that's the most dramatic miracle of all. That my heart can change. That your heart can change. And maybe even as you're watching this, there's this part of you that thinks, I don't know if the change is ever going to be possible in me. And I think what you're going to see, I hope you'll see, I'm praying that you see in this story today, that God can do that deep work, that he can bring what has been broken, what has been wounded, maybe what has died in us, and bring it back to life. Now, at the start of this event, there are two crowds that are about to collide. Now, it's the same day, it's the same place, it's the same road, and one crowd was filled with hope, and the other crowd was hopeless. And I think it's interesting when you look at situations in life, how often there can be two opposite and competing perspectives all around the same event. You know, when this pandemic uh, began to hit the United States and then hit California and then hit even a little closer to home, all over the country, churches were uh, told not to gather together. You know, it first started at 1,000, then it got down to 250, and then 50, and 10. Now we're not supposed to meet at all. And it's amazing in that, that, that the church, and not, not New Life in particular, but the Big C Church, all of us together, went into immediate action. And so many churches used it as an opportunity to, to connect people to Jesus through all kinds of different ways, all in less than, than 72 hours. And on this one particular day, when, when people, some people experienced headache and, and heartache in the story we're going to read, others experienced so much more. While some people were driven by fear and anxiety, others were driven by hope and faith and innovation and excitement. See, same event, same time, same situation, and yet we can sometimes bring such competing and opposite perspectives to it. I think at the time, uh, back a number of years ago, when we bought our first house, and I remember Gina and I sitting in the realtor's uh, office, and you know we had to sign all these pa paperwork. There were so many papers with all those little sticky notes all over, and sign here, sign here. And at the beginning, we were asking, now, what are we signing? But you get about 15 pages in, and you just start signing. You don't even know what you're signing anymore. You're just doing it. And I remember walking out of that thinking, whoa. This is so cool. We just bought our first home. And three steps later going, oh, good Lord, what did we just do? We just committed ourselves for, for 30 years paying for something. And it was this high and low all in the same event. I've shared with you in the past about us bringing uh, Hannah, our first child, home. And going to the hospital and going through you know labor and delivery and all those things and finally being able to come home. And thinking, this is so cool. We have, a, we have a baby and we're so thrilled and excited. And then almost in the next breath saying, oh no, they let us take an actual living baby home. I mean, it was the high and the low all at the same time. Same situation, opposite feelings, opposite perspectives. So we're going to read this story in Luke chapter 7. And I want you to follow along. And before, before we kind of dive into this, would you just bow your heads? And I want to pray as we begin this. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have to gather together as your people, your church, to worship together, to share together, to encourage 
together, even through our phones. And Lord, also to open your word together. And I pray, Lord, as we dive in today, that you would, you would speak your heart and your desire for us. Lord, we would begin to see the miraculous, not just 2,000 years ago, but right here, right now. We pray this in your name. Amen. So start with me in Luke 7, starting in verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. See the two crowds going? Jesus' crowd and this funeral crowd. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And he said, don't cry. And he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearers stopped. And Jesus said, young man, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now, did you catch it? Two different crowds, two very different situations in the same moment. And the difference was who they were following. The difference was who was, who was leading these processions. The large crowd following Jesus was excited and there was an animation and anticipation, as you can, you can well imagine, thinking, now what is Jesus going to do next? I mean, that's why they were following him, because Jesus had been changing hearts and he had been changing lives, literally, physically changing lives. We read just before this event that Jesus had cast out an evil spirit from someone and people started talking about that. Did you, did you see what happened? He healed a man with leprosy. And not only did he heal the man with leprosy, he touched the man with leprosy. There was no mask involved, no, no social distances, no, no hand sanitizer at all. And in a day and an age when, when that was like the dreaded disease and, and you stayed so far away, Jesus leaned in close and literally touched him to bring healing. Then we read how Jesus healed a man who was paralyzed, and then he healed a Roman officer's servant. And people couldn't help wondering as they followed after Jesus, what was next? And I'm sure as they were walking along and Jesus is up there somewhere, they're saying, what do you think he's going to, what do you think is going to happen next? What, what do you think he will do? I wonder who he'll heal in, in this next day. I mean, it's happening that fast. Now, we know that the villages and towns weren't very big. These were small communities. So this news about Jesus was really gaining momentum, which, which caused these crowds to just follow after Jesus. They wanted to see what was going to happen. So that's the first crowd. Then there's the other crowd, and it's a funeral procession. And you can imagine that it was sad, and there was a sense of grieving and hopelessness. And I know that many of you have walked through seasons of grief and pain and loss. I'm sure there were questions of why, why did this happen? Maybe even feelings of frustration or even anger of how in the world could this happen? How could God let something like this even, even exist? 
and the feelings of being both helpless and hopeless are, are really the foundations of despair. And we don't even know where to turn at that point. So again, you're going to hear this numerous times, but same time, same day, same place, same road, two crowds, one following death, the other following life. And not, not just life, not just someone who's walking and breathing, but, but true life. Jesus himself had even summed this up already. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, if you read different versions and translations of that verse, they, they put it in different ways about the thief, which is our enemy, who comes to, to rob and steal away from us. That's his purpose. That's his design. He, he desires that kind of destruction in your life, to steal away your hope, to destroy your marriage, to, to rob your, you of any sense of worth or, or calling he, he wants to take that away from you. And that's the, the enemy's ultimate desire for us. That's the one crowd. That's the one road that we can sometimes travel on. But Jesus even says of himself that I've come to give you life, true life, full life. Uh, he even says, have it, have it to the full, have it to the greatest extent. That's what Jesus wants for all those who follow after him. And I'm telling you, that is miraculous that he can begin to do that in, in me, in my heart, in, in your heart. So I have a few things, and I want you to write this down as we kind of go back through the story. The first is this. Following Jesus is following true life. Following Jesus is following true life. Now, this is not just an ancient 2,000-year-ago thing. This is right here, right now. In a time of fear, it is so easy to follow that hopeless crowd, to only see the circumstances, right? That, that's the world we're living in, right? We, we see all that's going on. If you follow the news, and I would encourage you not to follow it too much, because uh, it can be depressing and bring kind of anxiety and fear in us. Um, but when we only see the circumstances and we fail to see the one, Jesus, who can change circumstances, we're missing it. And in our story, that, that hopeless crowd was the one that was following that, that funeral. But throughout the New Testament, we read the consistent message from Jesus that he says, follow me. And following him leads to hope and freedom and forgiveness and grace and truth. But most importantly, in the world we're living in right now, following Jesus opens the door to true peace and hope. In Romans 15, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and with peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? He's the source of hope. And when we trust in him, he begins to bring true joy and peace. And then there's this confident hope that is kind of the aftermath of that. Imagine living in that right now, while we're all uncertain and anxious that we can have a joy and a peace and a hope. Now, in this story, we see that for the first time in centuries, people are filled with hope again. 
We read earlier that these towns and villages where Jesus was traveling, as I shared earlier, were, were not very big. But that phrase large crowd is used throughout the scripture over and over and over again because there was this excitement about Jesus. He was different and he invited people to come close and he brought life. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we find that true life right now all over the world. Churches are discovering new ways to to be connected inside and outside the, the community. And it's bringing a new and exciting way to share about life in Jesus. And we're part of God's family and we're part of a faith community. And here we are joining together right in our homes, not in some auditorium somewhere. And I'm looking forward to getting back to that. It'll be fun to worship together and and, and give a hug and, and celebrate together. I am so looking forward to that. But right now, this is a new thing that God is doing. That we get to meet in family rooms and we get to meet in apartments. And, and some of you are, are, are watching this and you're participating, watching on your, your phone or, or your tablet. Neighbors are checking in with each other. People are looking for how they can help and how they can make a difference. Through a note or a call or maybe even the text you sent just, just a few minutes ago, encouraging someone, letting them know that, that they matter and that you're praying for them and you're praying they experience God's peace. Those little things that, that somehow allow us to have these deeper friendships, something going more than just an event we attend. There are so many people who are volunteering to, to run errands and to pick up groceries. And uh, last week I shared with you uh, about loveourneighbors.org and how you can go there if you need help or you'd like to give help. But even right here, uh, our, our food pantry is open Monday through Thursday. And I'll tell you what, we're running out of supplies. So if you could pick up some extra groceries, we're going to be putting some things online that'll allow you to connect and kind of know what's needed. But we'd love to have you come. You can pull right up uh, and we have, you can drop them off. Uh, we know with the six-foot uh, social distancing we need to be, and we're going to be conscious of that. But you could drop those things off. And then if you need help, you can come up. If you know people who need help, send them this way. Because we would love to be able to meet those needs right now. And this is a unique opportunity we have. Now, when we go back to the story, we think all of those things that reaching out, that connection, that, that help, that, that's part of the crowd that's always been following Jesus. These are things that Jesus has been inviting us to join with him for over 2,000 years. And we wonder, what could Jesus do in my small act of service or of kindness? The crowd that was following Jesus had that same kind of anticipation, wondering what he was gonna do next. And I'll tell you this, when we follow Jesus, and I mean, I mean follow closely after him, there should always be this sense of anticipation. When you're walking with Jesus, there's a sense that something is about to happen. Something is going to, to come to life again. That always happens around Jesus. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you really anticipated Jesus doing something in your life? I mean, honestly. When was the last time you were thinking, you know, I think, I think God's getting ready to do something in me. I think God's inviting me into something more. I think God is, is inviting me to take a deeper step with him. I think God's inviting me to make uh, this, this small act of service or care or kindness impact a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or a family member. 
when was the last time you just had that sense that, that something new is happening and you're being invited into it? Or is it simply just become religion? And we just keep doing the same things and we keep walking the same road. And there's really no sense of anticipation. There's no sense of God really is on the move. And maybe this is a season when we get to quiet down and slow down and do all of that, that, that God begins to renew something in your own heart. Maybe a sense of going from that place of, of hopelessness and just moving along that you shift over into that other place, into that other crowd, into that following Jesus where you go, I wonder what he's going to do next. See, following Jesus means we're following life. And there should be that sense of what God is doing in us and through us. And I want us to shift for a moment and, and look at that other crowd. And they're honestly struggling. This is, this is not us shame, saying, you know, Oh, that crowd, well, you know, don't they know what's going on? It's not a good and bad kind of a thing. It's not a saying shame on them because this is hard. This is, this is deep grief. This is, this is pain that they're walking through. This is loss. Look at verse 12 again. It says, A funeral procession was coming out as Jesus approached the village gate. And the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. See, there, there's community there. They're supporting this, this family who's gone through loss. And can you imagine the disappointment and the, the sadness in this group? This, this wasn't, you know, uh, an old retired military vet that was married for decades and decades with a large family. Even as sad as that is, those are the ones we say, oh, that, that's so hard. But, but they lived a long, full life. I mean, grief is never easy. But in those situations, we say, but, but here was this, this life well lived, right? We've, we've probably all said that or read that in an obituary. But instead, this passage refers to him as a young man and a widow's only son. Do you catch what that means? She's already lost her husband. She's a widow. And now her only son, and he's young. She's struggling through this. And now... She's all alone. Some of you understand that because you've been carrying your hurt and your sorrow and your pain and your disappointments with your head down because of something that has, has been lost in your life, something that has, has passed, something that has died. Maybe it's a dream, maybe a career, a family, maybe even just your hope. But in that place, your head is down and there's, there's not much to keep you going. And here's what I want to tell you in those moments, not to dismiss what you're feeling, not to say you shouldn't grieve and, and that sadness isn't for you. It's, it's not to dismiss any of those things, but I don't want you to miss who's coming right at you. For this woman who is lost in her grief and her shame, she can't see that, that the one who, who can give life, the, the one who, who, is, who is hope is just literally feet away from her, is, is, is moving in close. And even though I can't understand what, what you're facing right now, maybe the grief, maybe the loss and the hopelessness that you feel, God does. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And his desire is to lean in close. So write this down for the second one. Jesus sees me and he responds. He sees me 
and he responds. So I'm going to say it one more time. Same day, same location, same road, two different crowds, but we're just getting ready to witness the same miracle that changes both of them. One crowd in anticipation, the other in deep sorrow, both at a standstill, Jesus in the middle. Can you imagine it? The big parade wondering what Jesus is going to do heading towards the town. The, the parade of sadness and loss coming towards them. Jesus standing right in the middle, kind of like a, a teeter-totter. And Jesus is the fulcrum right there. And what in the world is going to happen? And I imagine the crowd following Jesus was fighting for space, kind of elbowing in close to see what was about to happen. And the other crowd wondering, why are we stopping? Who got in the way of this? And look what it says in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, this is, this is the woman, the widow, his heart overflowed with compassion. And he said, don't cry. Now, here's what's interesting in that. A couple things. One, it doesn't say that she looked up and saw Jesus. It says that Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her before she even knew he was there. And can I tell you something? Jesus sees you. He sees right where you're at. He sees what you're facing, what you're going through, what you're feeling. Maybe there's shame. Maybe there's a past. Whatever it is that, that has you just weighed down, he sees you. And he responds to you. And he's got good news for you. Sometimes because we're on a hopeless road, it narrows our focus and our ability to even see Jesus. And, and in this account, Jesus looks at this woman and he says the words that if, if I would have been there with Jesus, I would have been going, oh, don't, don't say that, Jesus. Don't ever say that to someone who's grieving. But he tells her not to cry. Now, can you imagine the thoughts that went maybe through her head and probably with the people who were near enough to hear? Can you imagine them going, what do you, what do you mean don't cry? Who, who are you anyway to tell, uh, to tell me or to tell my friend not to cry? Her son has died and you're saying, just wipe your tears? I mean, how insensitive can you be, right? That's, that's kind of how we would think about a situation like that. But the other crowd, imagine them following Jesus and they heard Jesus say, don't cry, don't cry. And you can imagine them like holding each other going, did you hear that? Did you hear what Jesus just said? He told that woman, don't cry. Oh man, something, something's going to happen here. And then he did the thing that nobody was expecting. He went up and touched the coffin. Now, if you read through the Bible about uh, religious leaders and the priests and rabbis and different things, you would read what was allowed for them to do and not allowed. And you'll learn that, that teachers and rabbis were not allowed to ever touch anything unclean or dead. Jesus had already touched a leper and now he's touching the dead. He's blowing all the rules out of the water and he walks up and he touches this. Here's what I want you to catch from that. Jesus is not afraid to get up close and personal to you and to me and to lean in close and to even touch and heal those things in us that are messy and unclean. No matter what your past is like, no matter what you've done, no matter the shame, Jesus will walk right up and embrace you with his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. If you'll just stop and open your eyes 
and see Jesus, you'll see life. That's the picture of salvation. Now look what happened next in verses 14 and 15. He walked over to the coffin, touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Now, I'm sure there were a few people that went, what did he say? But then it says the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Now, if you're one of the pallbearers and you're up close and you've been holding this, you are freaking out at this point. But Jesus, it says he gave him back to his mother. You can see Jesus reaching down because everyone else is probably taking a step back, taking this young boy by the hand, helping him stand up. And in my mind, doesn't say it happened. In my mind, I see Jesus giving him a big hug and then saying, here's your mom. Jesus responded with compassion and healing and hope. Do you realize in this that he suddenly changed the competing crowds into one crowd? Hope had replaced hopelessness. Life had just replaced death. Everyone is looking to Jesus in this moment. Write this down for the last one and we'll wrap up. When Jesus comes close, there is restoration. Think about it. At this point in the story, the funeral is over. This is when you just go straight to the luncheon, right? Because there's no eulogies. There's no special song. There's no video tribute you're going to watch at this point. It is over. And if you study the life of Jesus, you'll find that Jesus never, ever preached at a funeral. He just eliminated the need to have one. It was yet another way of Jesus saying to them 2,000 years ago, but also to us today, that he's bigger than death. He's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our issues. And he wants us to know today that right in the middle of all that's going on, that he's bigger than this. The life he offers is, is more. The, the hope he offers is, is more and bigger than what we're experiencing now. The heartache and hurt and fear and worry that you might be experiencing today is not bigger than Jesus. No matter what your problem, Jesus is bigger. A friend of mine told me this the other day. I know the coronavirus is contagious, but hope is more contagious. And I love that. Jesus is bigger than your prodigal child. He's bigger than the health struggles you have. He's bigger than your bills right now that you're facing. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us this weekend, don't focus on the fear and, and the hopelessness, but focus on me. He says, do you believe that what I have for you is life? Let me close with this. Verse 16 and 17 says, Great fear swept the crowd and they praised God, praised God saying, A mighty prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. People began to talk, which is what we do. When life comes, when healing comes, when, when hope comes, we start talking. And that life and that hope begins to take root and begins to, to be contagious and spread everywhere. That's the good news. And it's the good news for, for you and for me and for every single person. That's what Jesus has for us. So in the next moment, I'm going to pray. Um, and as I do that, maybe you're watching this and, and you're, you're feeling hopeless and you feel like your past has, has overshadowed everything and Maybe you've been running from God and trying to figure out all out. And maybe today is the day that you take a step to say, I want to follow after Jesus. I want to invite Christ to be the Lord of my life, the, the ruler of my life, the, the leader that I follow. And you can have that brand new beginning, a brand new start, complete forgiveness and freedom in Jesus. And there's no magic words to pray. It's just a belief on your part, a prayer on your part that says, God, I need you in my life. So as I pray, I'm just going to encourage you to uh, 
just kind of pray on your own and just ask Christ to be the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness and the life that you offer us. Now, Lord, for each person that is watching, that is listening to this, Lord, I pray that today would be a brand new beginning. And Lord, that they would just simply say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, to wash away my sin, to set me free. I choose to follow you. And Lord, as we make that shift and move to put our faith in you, you promise us a new beginning. You promise us life everlasting. You promise, Lord, that you, you move us from those places of death to places of life. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. And we pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a couple close, a couple things just as we close. Um, the first is we, we have now this 30500, and you can text UPDATE to find out what's going on. But as I said earlier, you can also text the word PRAYER to 30500 and let us pray for you this week. I also want to challenge you, if you took a step today to make that decision to follow after Jesus, I want to encourage you to text that prayer to 30500. And rather than putting, here's what you can pray for, just send me a quick note that says, I, I took that step to follow Jesus today. And I just want to email you back, encourage you in this new step. Um, as we close, I want to just say, walk in hope and not in fear. Walk in grace and not in shame. Experience the joy and the life in Jesus and love people one step closer to him. God bless.